the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Another Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast is on AM 970 The Answer. We've got some great craft beer guests that will be joining me this hour. Of course, the usual news and notes to get to. But first, how can you follow me? Very easy on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo. That's G A T U L O. Facebook.com slash A G Craft Beer Cast. And of course, via email at Albert G and NYC Radio.com. And oh, as always, if you go on Google Play or iTunes, do a search for A G Craft Beer Cast. You can download and listen to every Craft Beer Cast uh, on your iPod, your MP3 player, however. Uh, you listen to the program on your computer, however you do it. Now, our guest tonight on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Marcus Englet, the export director for Wine and Stefan, the world's oldest brewery. These guys started brewing, or should I say the monks who first ran it, started brewing in 1040 A.D. That's right, the year 1040 A.D. And they have a new beer that has been released, and it all has to do with a forgotten label that they found from the 1950s. I'll let Marcus explain it, and he'll join us in just about 10 minutes or so. At the bottom of the hour, Randy Mosher, the author of Tasting Beer. He'll stop by to give us some info on the second edition of his book, How to Judge Beer at a Beer Fest, uh, hosting a, uh, a tasting party, and a whole lot more. Randy's coming up at the bottom of the hour. So some news and notes to get to, and the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast will be back on the road again at the end of April. I'll give you details on that in just a couple of minutes. Now, a new microbrewery is in the works for Seaside Heights in New Jersey. It depends upon... A borough council's vote on a zoning change. Now, if the vote comes at the April 19th meeting, that's taking place next week, uh, Heavy Reel Brewing Company can move forward with its plan for a summer opening. Brewery owner Jeff Greco says he's looking at several sites in Seaside Heights after being turned away in nearby Seaside Park. So another microbrewer trying to get ready and get set uh, to start brewing in New Jersey. And we're going to mention a uh, op-ed piece from Jim Cook, the... um, uh, owner of Samuel uh, Adams Beer, a Boston beer, as he likes to call it, uh, coming up at the end of this news and notes segment. And it's an interesting piece. I don't know if people got a chance to read it, but we'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. Now, the below, uh, beloved Holy Grail for Hopheads, uh, the colossal 120-minute Imperial IPA from Dogfish Head, uh, is uh, on shelves and taps uh, just this past Monday, clocking in at 15 to 20% ABV and 120 IBU. Uh Listen, you know it. If you've if you've ever drank this beer, and I actually got a chance to uh, have a couple of sips, it's an expensive beer. I'm not going to lie to you. There are places that will sell one bottle for twelve to fifteen dollars, or they'll sell the the four pack, uh, you know, for upwards of thirty dollars. And we t- touched on this last week when we were at Paragon Tap and Table. Um, but uh, the 120 minute uh, carbonated like an IPA, loaded with uh, you know f- lots of flavor, a lot of complexity, um, ranked by Business Insider as one of the 17. Most sought-after beers in America, they describe 120 Minute as the ultimate IPA, stating it's so hoppy that it's not even hoppy anymore. Unlike other IPAs, it's not that bitter, just really flavorful and very strong. And as Sam Calagione, the founder and CEO of Dogfish Head, 
uh, says, uh, you know, he recommends buying a couple of bottles, drink one fresh, lay one down for a year or two. And uh, from him, you'll discover that time brings forward delicious fruity marmalade and sherry notes uh, in the beer if you want to look for it and try and find it. Dogfish.com slash brewery slash fish finder. You know, it's all over the place now, and they have uh, expanded it. Actually, in the following states for the first time, Minnesota, Missouri, South Carolina, New Mexico, uh, California, and New Hampshire will also receive uh, the off-centered ale for the first time in 12-ounce bottles in addition to draft. We've been talking about speakeasy ales um, over the last several weeks as they're a mid-level brewer uh, that had to stop production uh, back in March because they basically they ran out of money. The bank had called their marker and had run out of money. Uh, now it looks like, uh, for right now, they have signed an exclusive contract brewing agreement with uh, New York's Schmaltz Brewing, and Schmaltz Brewing will um, continue to produce Speakeasy's beers. So they're outsourcing some of their production, uh, even though two weeks ago they said they were going to continue their production at the San Francisco facility. Uh, the arrangement with Schmaltz will include production of Speakeasy's Big Daddy IPA Prohibition Ale and Baby Daddy Session IPA. Speakeasy has plenty of production capacity at its own brewery, but a skeleton crew in place to make the beer. They'll still need some contract brewing services in place for the company's next owner. Their uh, PR guy says, when a sale takes place, all of the licensing will need to change to the new ownership. Having someone set up a contract relationship will allow beer to flow during transition so they can keep beer moving uh, You know, as uh, the transition of a new owner comes into to place. Uh, they're talking about... Uh, let's see, it's it's in receivership right now. I don't think it's in receivership yet, but um, they are supposed to have bids uh, for the company, and they ex- they're expected to be notified on April 18th as uh, Jigsaw Advisors has been appointed to run the failing brewery after it neglected to make payments to Union Bank, which was uh, Speakeasy's primary creditor uh, and other vendors. So uh, they are, ex- excuse me, they are in receivership. That's as of March 13th. That's Jigsaw Advisors who's running the company right now. So hopefully by early next week we know or we will know who's going to take over uh, the brewery. And uh, Schmaltz has said they'd like to, um, uh, they might consider submitting a bid for the Speakeasy brand. Um, they'd like to get involved. They've Obviously they've had the recipes uh, of some of their beers since they entered into contract uh, negotiations with them a couple of years ago when Speakeasy was um, doing some work on their brewery. So it would be an easy um, you know, way for them to continue to uh, manufacture the Speakeasy brand. We're trying to get the owners of Schmaltz on, um, and uh, we're, I'm just waiting to hear back, uh, you know, figuring out dates and stuff. But uh, looks like we're, uh, we're going to try Jeremy Cowan, the founder of Schmaltz Beer. We're going to try and get him on in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully we'll have an answer here uh, whether or not they're going to be running Speakeasy uh, for the foreseeable future. But uh, the final thing here in my news and notes segment, and then we'll get into why uh, the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast will be back on the road again. So Jim Cook... Uh, from uh, Sam Adams, Boston Beer Company. He's the founder. He penned an op-ed piece in the New York Times uh, last Friday, which was National Beer Day, uh, the Friday before last. And um, it was titled, Is It Last Call for Craft Beer? So he feels, in his opinion, uh, he feels the greatest time in history to be a beer drinker in America is now, but he sees signs of a coming craft beer apocalypse. And he feels that a lot of it has to do with big, with government, uh, a, a lack of antitrust oversight that allowed the deal between Anheuser-Busch InBev and SAB Miller. Um, they, he also talks about how AB acquired a Carbach in Texas, where AB owns 52% of the beer market. And uh, wholesaler consolidation has thinned the ranks of the middle tier to less than 3,000 distributors. So basically, 
But Cook is saying the distributors are kind of pushing people, uh, you know, uh, away from, you know, certain types of craft beer. The big names are getting their shelf space, and the little guy is losing out. Um, He says, and this is a direct quote from him, get some craft brewers together and they'll tell you that if we continue down this path, we may be witnessing the beginning of the end of the American craft beer revolution. Um, You know, Cook is in Washington, D.C. this week. There's a big craft brewers conference. Uh, Hopefully we'll get some news out of that uh, on next week's program. And, um, you know, he says in his op-ed as well, uh, Cook is a member of the Brewers Association Board of Directors. He said, you know, we have 5,300 small, innovative craft breweries making unique, flavorful, creative brews, but not the cute-sounding brands such as Goose Island and Terrapin that no longer meet the Brewers Association definition of craft. Now, yes, there are a lot of small and local breweries that are out there. I think part of the problem that somebody like a Jim Cook is having, and I, I you know, he would say he's a mid-level brewer. I would say he's a little bit more than that because of the volume that he puts out, and he's been doing it for a long time. Look, the guy started his company in 1984. This is not a knock on Jim Cook. However, you have so many of these breweries, just locally here in New Jersey and New York, that are doing a fantastic job making fresh beer, fresh local. So now people have options. It's not so much going to the store and buying the Budweiser or the Coors Light. Hey, I can go down the street where I live in my town, Clark, New Jersey, I can jump one town over in Rowway, and I can go over to Wet Ticket Brewing, and I can get myself a fresh growler of whatever they're making. Bring it back home and drink it. And you know what? I know it's fresh because the guy has made it within the last couple of weeks. Maybe he just made it today and he just tapped it. I know that that beer is fresh. So if my option is, if I'm having, let's say I'm having a barbecue. It's coming out, you know, the weather is getting warm. Summertime is, uh, you know, right around the corner. People are having barbecues. If I'm going to have beer in my house... I want something that's fresh and delicious that my, that my friends uh, and family can enjoy. I'll give you another perfect example. Uh, I was at a liquor store the other day. I'm not going to mention their name uh, because I don't want to give them. I, I'm sort of giving them bad business, but I, I don't want to mention their name. And um, I walked in, and I was looking around for a particular item. They didn't have it, but I was looking. Maybe I'm going to get a couple of sample bottles or whatever. I'm going to take them home and, and, and drink a couple for suds and duds or whatever and taste them and see how it works out. But anyway... As I'm looking at one shelf that they had, oh, you know, get yourself a sample of beers from these different companies. Um, one of the companies that they had on there was Blue Point. And I looked at a couple of different Blue Point beers. Now, first sign that I know that the beers are old is the fact that they one of the beers, Hoptical Illusion, was from their old label. So I know that the beer is over a year old, right off the bat. I start looking at dates on the bottles. These dates were from last May of 2016. Why do I want to buy a beer and drink something that's over a year old? They're not rotating these beers out and putting the fresher stuff in. So people are getting disgusted and saying, why am I wasting my money at $10 and $12 a six-pack for beer that's over a year old? I want something that's fresh. They're going to go down the street, and they're going to buy from their local brewer. I think that's what Jim's talking about is that, you know, there are so many options now that some people are going to survive and some aren't. And we've talked about that before. We've talked about that on this program. Now, Boston beer sales have gone down. Uh, 2.2% in grocery and convenience stores last year. Hopscape didn't do so well. Their latest seasonal release didn't do so well. So I get it. You know, maybe maybe he does have a point. He's losing some shelf space. So he's he's a little upset about it, and he wants to get that shelf space back. My thing is this. If you make a good beer, if you make something that's tasty and delicious, people are going to come back and buy it. If you don't make a good beer, guess what? In the end, and, and Cook says this, 
Direct quote from him. I believe that in the long run, the brands that are well-supported, that maintain consistent quality, that stand for important societal values, they'll ultimately prevail. prevail. We plan on maintaining our distribution strengths, particularly our sales force, both on-premise and off, and our supportive retailers and our wholesalers with the belief that in the long run, Sam Adams will return to growth. He's right. You make a consistently good beer, people are going to come back and buy it. Uh, if you don't make a good beer, uh, people aren't going to buy it, ladies and gentlemen. It's just that simple. Now, we've, we've posted the op-ed piece uh, from Jim Cook on our uh, craft beer cast page on Facebook. I encourage you to take a look at it and read it. Um, you know, it's it's a great piece. And I think Jim uh, has some interesting points. I think he makes some good and valid arguments. The bottom line is you make good beer, you make fresh beer. In the end, people are going to come out and drink it. Finally, I just wanted to mention before we take a quick break, the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast is going to be back on the road again Thursday, April 27th uh, at Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza in Englewood, located at 10 Sterling Boulevard, Suite 104, uh, from 5 to 8 p.m. It's a special craft beer dinner uh, with Brooklyn Brewery. There's going to be four courses with craft beer pairings, and it's only $35. Alex Hestevic from Brooklyn Brewery is going to explain all the different pairings. Uh, We're going to have a, a classic Italian salad paired with sriracha ale, Wings and ribs paired with Brooklyn Lager, meatballs and eggplant uh, paired with a Defender IPA, and assorted pizzas uh, paired with American Ale. Again, the price is $35. It includes the beer. We're going to tape the beer cast there as well. It's going to be a blast. There's a link on the Craft Beer Cast page. We'll have a link on Twitter that we'll send out as well. And uh, again, all you have to do is go on to Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza's website at acfp.com slash englewood-beer-dinner backslash. Um, check it out. Register, sign up. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a great time over at Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza in Englewood. That's at 10 Sterling Boulevard, Suite 104. And I encourage you to register early because this thing is definitely going to sell out. When we come back after a short break, Marcus Englet, the export director for Wine and Stefan, the world's oldest brewery, will join me. Folks, we're just getting started on this program that focuses on that delicious beverage made with barley and hops. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Hey guys, why don't you join me, the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast, Brooklyn Brewery, and Anthony's Cold Fired Pizza in Englewood, New Jersey on Thursday, April 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. for a special craft beer dinner. Four courses with craft beer pairings for only $35. It's a great deal. Alex Hestevic with Brooklyn Brewery will explain why the pairings go together, answer any questions you may have. Plus, I'm going to take the Craft Beer Cast live from the restaurant. The food and beer pairings go like this. It's a classic Italian salad paired with sriracha ale, a wings and ribs paired with Brooklyn lager, meatballs an eggplant paired with Defender IPA, assorted pizzas paired with American Ale. It's very simple to register. Just go to acfp.com slash englewood-beer-dinner slash or call 201-431-9404 to make your reservation. It's a wonderful night of fun with the Yalgatulo Craft Beer Cast, Brooklyn Brewery, and Anthony's Cold Fired Pizza. Join us April 27th, 5 to 8 p.m. at the Anthony's Cold Fired Pizza in Englewood, New Jersey, located at 10 Sterling Boulevard, Suite 104, call 201 401- 431-9404 for reservations. Tweet us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. AM970. TheAnswer.com If you love great food, delicious craft beer, and want to support small business, then have I got the place for you. Paragon Tap and Table is a wonderful gastro pub located conveniently off the Garden State Parkway, exit 135 in Clark, New Jersey. 
Paragon has fantastic food created by Chop Champion Chef Eric Levine. Mouth-watering burgers, mac and cheese bowls, fresh pasta dishes, some of the best wings in New Jersey, and one of the best craft beer tap selections in the area. 20 taps, they are amazing. Paragon also has gluten-free and healthy options, so you never have to worry about breaking that diet. Folks, you hear me talk about Paragon all the time. Trust me, it is a great place for lunch or dinner. For reservations, give them a call at 732-931-1776 or check out their website, ParagonNJ.com. You can look over the new spring menu as well as what beers they have on tap. Call 732-931-1776. Paragon Tap and Table, located right off of exit 135, the Garden State Parkway in Clark, New Jersey. To the Al Gatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. You can follow me on Twitter at Al Gatulo, Instagram at Gatulo G A T U L O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Of course, via email Albert G at NYCRadio.com. And remember, we are on Google Play and iTunes. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can listen to every single Craft Beer Cast right from there. A little Scorpions to start off this segment. Of course, why? Because it's German. And why? Because we're talking about German beer. My next guest on the cast, the export director for the world's oldest brewery. And when I say old, people go, what, 50 years, 60 years, 70 foot? No, no. This brewery started brewing in the year 1040. That's correct. 1040 A.D. for you millennials. That's a long time ago. For me, it's a long time ago as well, but uh, a remarkable accomplishment from this brewery. Now, the name is difficult to pronounce. However, I cheated. I'm going to tell you that straight off the bat. I cheated. I got a little primer as to how to, how to pronounce it. Uh, Wine and Stefan is the name of the uh, brewery, and their website is at wineandstefan.com. And I'll spell this out for you. W-E-I-H-E-N-S-T-E-P-H-A-N-E-R.com. That's the website for more information. Let me welcome in Marcus, Marcus Englet to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, Marcus, welcome. Welcome as well. Uh, Marcus, let's give the folks a little history lesson about the brewery. Wine and Stefan started brewing in 1040, but its origins go back even further than that. Is that right? That's true. Uh, 1040 uh, is the, the year um, that the monastery brewery at the time got uh, the right to brew and to uh, sell the beer. Um, but the monastery was founded in 725, and uh, we guess that it was already at that time when the monks started brewing, because there was a, a, a document of a hop garden which was right next to the monastery, and uh, which was mentioned in a document in uh, 768, and mm. so hops were not used for anything else in the t- at the time. So essentially for about 300 years, they were basically producing beer Illegally, I guess, in Bavaria. Is that correct? Not illegally, because all the monasteries at the time were allowed to brew the beer for the monks. Right, for their consumption, yeah. but obviously they couldn't sell it or give it out to—, to well, maybe, I guess they could give it out, but they couldn't sell it. Uh, to the people in in the land, is yeah, that because because the dukes were responsible to to have the the right to to say who uh, is allowed to sell the beer and who is not. Mm-hmm. And this document from 1040 uh, was issued by a duke from the area, which gave the monastery of Weinstephan the right to brew and to sell the beer. Isn't it amazing though? Monks come up with some amazing things. I mean, the, the fact uh, producing beer. In fact, here in New York, in in New York City itself, Germans were the ones that first brought beer over into New York. In fact, there are still places 
where they do the authentic type of you know German uh, brewing process here in New York City in in Manhattan. I mean, you have to do a little searching for it, but there's a beer tour that takes you around Manhattan um, that actually explores some of those places. So it's it's pretty remarkable. Now, Marcus, many of the beers that are made uh, used locally sourced ingredients, and in 2016, the brewery celebrated 500 years. Uh, following the Bavarian German purity law, that states you can only use four ingredients to produce beer. Does that make the process in producing beer more difficult for the company? Of course, because it's uh, not only the four ingredients, but also the processes which are behind it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this is quite strict. It's also uh, linked to the uh, German um, food laws. Uh, and this is uh, even more strict than the Reinhardtsgebot from 500 years ago. Right. Um, and um, But of course, it uh, gives the consumer um, a good feeling that they are having uh, only regional um, ingredients, no additives, no uh, uh, things which uh, are not good for you. Uh, health-wise. So uh, it's uh, still a really good uh, protection for the consumer. But are they able to add different things? Like, you know, a a lot of craft beers that are produced in America, they use different, uh, you know, like coriander and and different um, uh, ingredients in the beer. They can only use those four ingredients. Now, unless coriander is grown naturally in the area itself, are they planting stuff or is it you know, how does does that process work? Because you you, you don't want to produce the same beer all the time. You want to have a little bit of different variation. That's right, but uh, this is still possible with the four ingredients because uh, now in in the hop industry, for example, uh, they are breeding new uh, types of hops, for example, which have uh, a special lemon uh, um, aroma or um, uh, melon aroma or uh, different other aromas. Um, so uh, you, you are still uh, able to, to um, work on the ingredients and uh, use it in a different way uh, that you still can follow the purity law and uh, make an interesting beer. That is awesome. And 500 years of being able to only use four ingredients to produce the beer, that is a remarkable accomplishment. Talking with Marcus Anglet, the export director for uh, – uh, I knew I was going to get this wrong first off the bat. Weinensteifen lo- – uh, Weinensteifen, is that correct? Weinensteifen. Weinensteifen, that's it. I have put Perfect. the emphasis on the Steffen. <laughs> located in Germany, Weinensteifen.com. Is the website for more information? We'll have a link to it uh, on our Twitter feed as well as on Facebook as well here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, Marcus, let's discuss the new beer. It's out on shelves now. Uh, Kristallin Wiesenbach, is that correct? Crystal, Crystal Weizenbach. Crystal yeah. Weizenbach. The beer has an interesting story. It's because of a forgotten label from the 1950s. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we just uh, went through our uh, registers and uh, saw this uh, um, this yeah this plate with uh, really old um, uh, labels, mm. um, and we saw this Crystal Weizenbock, and we are of our main. Um, portfolio consists of wheat beers and we are really a specialist in wheat beer brewing even though that we are also doing lager beers mm. uh, but uh, the to making a crystal Weizenbock uh, was uh, for our brewmasters very appealing um, because no one else has a crystal Weizenbock it's not on the market at all so uh, it is a forgotten uh, type of beer and uh, our brewmasters wanted to go back to that and uh, produce it again. Now, it, the uh, Crystal Weizenbach, is, uh, it's a 7.5% uh, ABV, so it's a stronger beer. Uh, but somebody was saying, and maybe I, I read it wrong, it's more of a, it's not, you know, the, the big thing in America now is IPAs. Everybody wants a bitter, you know, hop-forward uh, type of beer. They want them strong, strong, strong. This is a particularly strong beer, but it, from what, I'm, uh, what I've been reading, it's a little bit more easy drinking. Is that right, or am I, am I totally off base on that? 
Yeah, because it's not, uh, it doesn't have this uh, IPA character that it's really overwhelming, that it's closing your uh, aroma pores in your mouth mm-hmm. uh, immediately. Um, the wheat beers, uh, the focus is on the fruitiness because this is uh, um, especially made by the or created by the hops, uh, by the yeast. Right. Uh, and so um, this fruitiness is really important. But we wanted to... Uh, get this um, special dry feeling in your mouth with using four different hop styles with it. So uh, for, for a wheat beer, it has a quite high um, um, bitterness. Right. But um, in general, um, it is easy drinking because the wheat beers, German wheat beers, are easy drinking. But again, at 7.5%, for some people, you might want to have just one or two, uh, you know, and be responsible about it. Unless you're going to be at home and, you know, you want to kick back with about four or five of them before uh, heading off to bed. Now, Marcus, how has the response been in America uh, to Wein and Stefan in, in, in the United States and the various beers you guys produce? Um, the response is really good because, uh, as you said, it's the world's oldest brewery. Um, uh, I would say we are 100% state-owned, but uh, our company is led, or our brewery is led, like a family uh, brewery. And but we would be a family brewery in the 36th generation. Right. Um, so uh, the response is really good. Um, we have this brewing school uh, university attached to the brewery, mm-hmm. which quite a lot of American brewers met a degree there, and um, also using the the Hop, uh, the yeast from our yeast bank. We have a yeast bank with uh, 160 different kinds of uh, mother strains of, of yeast. Um, so uh, also the people, the brewers in the United States know about Wein Stefan and um, also appreciate it and respect it. In that sure. Kind of way. And, you know, and that's that you, you'd mentioned lagers before, even though you said that primarily you guys do a lot of wheat beers. Lagers seem to be making a big comeback here in America. They, uh, you know, the, the big trend was IPAs, then it's sours, gozes, all these to me, at least, I feel like um, sours and gozes, I, I, I kind of think, are kind of like the fad of the moment. I know they're trying to get um, more approachable drinkers, younger drinkers, maybe uh, more women uh, getting involved to drinking beer and introducing them to kind of a um, a lighter beer. But I've noticed a big comeback over the last year or so uh, of lagers in America. Um, I, I'm wondering, would your company uh, start to see that trend, or are you going to continue uh, to produce wheat beers because that's what you guys do best? No, no. It's also a trend in Germany, for example. The lager beer is uh, back on track because uh, uh, many people already, are, always thought, oh, my God, a lager beer. It's such an easy, mediocre, uh, uh, yeah, a normal beer. Right. Uh, but it's not true because uh, uh, these days drinkability uh, and sessionable beers are more into trend, I think. Right. And uh, you shouldn't uh, um, underestimate how hard it is to make a, a, a lager beer because mm-hmm. uh, it has more storage time. It needs more uh, time to produce it in the end, and it doesn't uh, excuse any mistake what you do during the brew- brewing process because um, uh, it's clear in color. It's uh, uh, it's unfil- it's filtered, mm-hmm. and uh, you see uh, uh, most of the time if you do something wrong uh, during the brewing process, you see it before you taste it. Right. And with the lager beers, uh, our brewmasters favorites are always our lager beers that they produce, not the wheat beers. Well, see that see that's interesting. I learned something new. Talking with Marcus Englet, the export director for Weinensteifen, located in Germany. Weinensteifen.com is the website for more information. Again, we'll have a link to the website uh, on our uh, Twitter feed as well as on Facebook. Now, uh, Marcus, you've been traveling uh, across the country, across the world, uh, promoting uh, your new beer. Um, have you noticed or had a chance to sample any craft beers in America? And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, maybe if you've tried a beer, a, a craft beer or two here in America, what um, what you've liked about it or what you haven't liked about it. 
I mean, I, when I, wherever I travel to, uh, I always uh, try the local beers as well because it gives us also a feeling uh, what is the trend, what is the feeling of the people in the countries uh, mm. where I'm traveling to. Right. And um, of course, I mean, um, I always, when I'm in the bars, I drink also IPAs, now the sessionable IPAs, right. of course, and the, I had the sours. And uh, I see that um, many American craft brewers, they have a really good knowledge now uh, uh, about international beer styles, which they adapt to uh, sure. American style. Um, and uh, sometimes I wish also that they would adapt a little bit to German beer styles uh, a little bit more, and now mm -hmm. they do it with the lagers. But uh, uh, it's hard to find a, a really good wheat beer, for example, here, right. in my opinion. Is, is it because the wheat is different in Germany than it is in America? Obviously, uh, climates and, and you know different uh, temperature changes and things like that, and maybe uh, a particular wheat only grows a certain way in Europe than it does in America. Could that be... Uh, what it is, or is it the process itself of what they're going through? I think it's a little bit of everything, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, water is a main uh, thing, of course. I mean, 95% of the beer is water. Right. And uh, even though that you have technically the, the, the possibility to uh, make the same uh, uh, quality kind of water, it still tastes differently uh, all, uh, all around the world. And it's the same way uh, like pretzels. Uh, oh, bagels yeah, is, a, yeah. is a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. People who get New York bagels, they say the taste is completely different when you go anywhere else. The same thing with pizza. If it's made in a different area, it just doesn't taste the same because of the water. Now, maybe that's because of the way the water is being treated by uh, the particular city or the state or the country or whatever. That could have uh, a lot to do with it. But uh, I agree. I mean, obviously, it's, it is mostly water, and that's probably uh, one of the main reasons why. Now, Marcus, I know... Um, we have one of the beers here to, to try. It's actually not the one uh, that you got, the uh, uh, Crystal Wiesenbach, correct? Mm -hmm. That's not the one we're trying here, but this is uh, a Hefweiss beer. Mm -hmm. Is that it? Yeah. So let's try this. Now, this is this is a wheat beer. Am I correct? Yeah. yeah. And uh, this is brewed under the purity law of 1516. It's 5.4% 5, 5 alcohol. And uh, we're gonna, we each have a cup here and... We normally don't do this on – we do this on a segment I, I like to call Suds and Duds, but uh, we'll do it here during the interview. Let me uh, get it – I can get a real nice wheat flavor out of this. Oh, and a lot of fruit flavor. Yeah. You can really taste the fruit. I mean, the, the banana. Yes, a lot of banana. I, I really get a, a good banana taste. What, what other um, fruits are in here? Just banana? It, it, or is it? It, the, the banana um, aroma comes from the yeast that we are using. Okay. So it's a special uh, top-fermenting yeast. Uh, and uh, these are the banana flavors which come out, and it's also clove, clove and banana. This yeah, the, you know what? I do get a little bit of the clove. And yeah. I, let me tell you something. This is nice and easy yeah. to drink, even though it's a 5%. You know, I mean, well, I mean it's on average with... Uh, with some of the other regular beers that are out there, but this is really nice. This is perfect for a nice spring day, about 60 degrees, 65 degrees. You're sitting in the backyard. You can ease up and have a couple of these. This is really nice. It's, this is the Hefeweizen, and it's our flagship. Uh, I think 70% of our whole production is this uh, beer. And, um, I mean, uh, it has this really nice uh, banana, clove, fruity uh, aroma. And then uh, it has this really smooth uh, drinking uh, when you really swallow it. Yeah, it, yeah. There, there's no, you know, and, and again, with IPAs, folks, we've, we've talked about it all the time. If you're really not into bitter beers and you're not into that bitter bite of beer, it'll really throw you off. But this, this is great. I mean, this is perfect with a lot of different foods. I like to drink more bitter beers when I'm when I'm eating spicy foods to cut the, the the spice out a little bit. But this is a great drinking beer when you're just sitting around 
uh, with some friends. You got some cheese out, maybe you know some uh, chips and some dip and stuff. This is this is perfect. So. I think the wheat beer is really uh, you can combine it uh, to a spicy fruit because uh, uh, because it's so mild and the fruitiness takes the spice out as well. Um, but you also can have it for to f- for fish dishes, uh, seafood, and uh, whatever. I think uh, a wheat beer is something that you can combine to almost uh, every dish. Yeah. Right. Okay, well, there you go. Talking with Marcus Englert, the export director for uh, Vine and Stefan, located in Germany. com, the website for more information. Marcus, thanks so much for coming into the studio, and thanks so much for joining me on the Craft Beer Cast tonight. Very much appreciate it. It was a pleasure, Alan, and thank you to all the, the, the listeners and uh, Vine Stefan drinkers, of course. Absolutely, and you can hear this, of course, around the world. When we come back, Randy Mosier, the author of Tasting Beer, all after a short break on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. This portion of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast brought to you by Anthony's Coal-Fired Pizza. News. Opinion. Passion. This is AM 970. The Answer. Partly sunny, 61 degrees. What's going on? We have the answer. Worcester, Massachusetts District Attorney Joseph D. Early Jr. claiming they got their suspect in the murder of New York City Google employee Vanessa Markov. We got him. In a press conference this afternoon, the district attorney pointed to investigators who matched the DNA of 31-year-old Angel Ortiz to DNA found on the hands of Vanessa Marcotte, the 27-year-old Marcotte visiting her mother in Princeton, Massachusetts. When she went for a run in August last year, her body was found naked and burned the following day. A well-known church in Passaic, New Jersey, relocating Easter services after its ceiling came crashing down. St. Anthony of Padua was forced to close after its ceiling cracked, crumbled, and gave way right before a Holy Thursday Mass was to be held this week. No one was injured. The church still expects some 800 worshippers this weekend, with mass being held across the street in the church gymnasium. Police in East Orange, New Jersey arrested 13 alleged gang members on Thursday, seizing nearly $400,000 in cash and drugs. According to cops, Operation Quick Strike was organized in response to complaints from area citizens concerning gang activity. In sports action, the Yankees edge St. Louis 3-2. The Mets take on the Marlins later tonight. Time to check the traffic. Minor delays for the Hudson River crossings into and out of the city a tax day march closing West 57th in Manhattan between 5th and 8th Avenues. As we take a look at conditions in northern New Jersey, we are looking at some slow traffic this afternoon on the western spur of the New Jersey Turnpike north at 16W. It's police activity along the shoulder slowing traffic down. Residual slowing on the Garden State Parkway north near the Driscoll Bridge from an earlier vehicle fire. You now know how not to go. Weather tonight partly to mostly cloudy. Showers taper off low 55 to 60. Easter Sunday partly sunny, breezy, and warm after Afternoon showers and storms, high of 80. Sunny and breezy Monday, high 70. Tuesday, partly to mostly sunny skies, high 60 to 65 degrees. I'm Dave Banning, AM 970, The Answer. Hey guys, why don't you join me, the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast, Brooklyn Brewery, and Anthony's Cold Fired Pizza in Englewood, New Jersey on Thursday, April 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. for a special craft beer dinner. Four courses with craft beer pairings for only $35. It's a great deal. Alex Hestevic with Brooklyn Brewery will explain why the pairings go together, answer any questions you may have. Plus, I'm going to take the Craft Beer Cast live from the restaurant. The food and beer pairings go like this. It's a classic Italian salad paired with sriracha yale, a wings and ribs paired with Brooklyn lager, meatballs 
an eggplant paired with Defender IPA, assorted pizzas paired with American Ale. It's very simple to register. Just go to acfp.com slash englewood-beer-dinner slash or call 201-431-9404 to make your reservation. It's a wonderful night of fun with the Yalgatulo Craft Beer Cast, Brooklyn Brewery, and Anthony's Coal Fired Pizza. Join us April 27th, 5 to 8 p.m. at the Anthony's Coal Fired Pizza in Englewood, New Jersey, located at 10 Sterling Boulevard, Suite 104. Call 201-431-9404 for reservations. Want more AM 970 The Answer? Take us on the go with our Listen Live feature at am970theanswer.com or download our AM 970 The Answer app today. Just go to the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store and search AM 970 The Answer. If you love great food, delicious craft beer, and want to support small business, then have I got the place for you. Paragon Tap and Table is a wonderful gastro pub located conveniently off the Garden State Parkway, exit 135 in Clark, New Jersey. Paragon has fantastic food created by Chop Champion Chef Eric Levine. Mouth-watering burgers, mac and cheese balls, fresh pasta dishes, some of the best wings in New Jersey, and one of the best craft beer tap selections in the area. 20 taps, they are amazing. Paragon also has gluten-free and healthy options, so you never have to worry about breaking that diet. Folks, you hear me talk about Paragon all the time. Trust me, it is a great place for lunch or dinner. For reservations, give them a call at 732-931-1776 or check out their website, ParagonNJ.com. You can look over the new spring menu as well as what beers they have on tap. Call 732-931-1776. Paragon Tap and Table, located right off of exit 135, the Garden State Parkway in Clark, New Jersey. Kevin McCullough Radio. Breaking news. What it means and why it matters. Weeknights at 5 on AM 970. The answer. And welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, my next guest on the cast, a nationally recognized expert on beer and brewing. He writes for virtually all of the national beer and brewing-related publications, lectured to audiences all across the United States. He's also the author of Beer for All Seasons and also the book that we will be talking about today, Tasting Beer, the second edition is out. All new, it's updated. Let's welcome in Randy Mosher to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, Randy, welcome. Thank you, Al. Thanks for having me. You got it. And let's jump. Uh, thank you. Let's jump right into the updated edition. Between uh, when you published yeah. the first edition in 2009 and the second, so much about craft beer has changed in the market. What's the one thing that oh, you've man. noticed that has improved? Uh, I think quality's improved and, and certainly availability. I know that's two things, but, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's, it's just everywhere now. And, and, and what do you think? Why do you think the quality has improved uh, you know, since 2009? Well, quality's hard. It, you know, beer's a very delicate and complicated product, and it takes a lot of education. It takes a certain amount of equipment and resources. And as the, the breweries have matured, we've got a lot more people out there in the market who have been working, you know, in beer, in brewing. And I think just the general knowledge level has, has come up. Uh, as the market gets more competitive, quality is a way uh, to help yourself succeed. So people take it a little more seriously than maybe they used to when, you know, people would pretty much drink any craft beer because that's, you know, it was that or nothing or that or, you know, mass market beer. And so consumers tended to be a little less picky. You have programs like the Cicerone program now that started about the same time that I published my book. Uh, And, of course, that's the 
the beer world's equivalent of the sommelier. So you have a lot more educated uh, uh, people in the in the trade and and consumers. So I think it all just uh, has a, a bit more critical mass, and and that brings the quality up. Well, and let's talk about some of the latest craft beer trends. Goze beers, sours seem to be getting a lot more attention over the last six months or so. Why the push on these types of brews? Do you think? Goza is on fire. Sal Allen of Anderson Valley Brewing in uh, Northern California described his place now as a Goza factory. Is that right? Because uh, they've been very successful with a watermelon. I think they, what do they have? A watermelon and a, and a blood. I think they have a blood orange. Yes. I forget what the other one is. Yeah, and and, and Westbrook so, Westbrook yeah. is, uh, is has a Goza out that is that I personally enjoy. It's fantastic. Yeah, they're t- you know they, it's hard to get that balance of the salty sour thing just right. Part of it is that people have figured out how to do a kettle souring. So they, they put a lactic um, uh, culture in the wort in the kettle before it gets boiled, and they let it sit overnight, and it, it sours it, and then they can bring that up to boiling and pasteurize it so that they don't have live um, spoilage bacteria coursing through their the rest of their brewery. So it's made that technique has developed, and that's made it possible. I started talking and writing about and brewing homebrewing Goza back in the mid-'90s, so I've been on the Goza bandwagon for a long time, and it finally just sort of popped. It's, um, it, it's that's not, that's it, exciting. The other thing that mm-hmm. is is the New England style IPAs, which yes. of course you know you're out in, in New York. You, you've you've probably seen them all from Two Hands and uh, or Two Roads, Two Hands. Yep, uh, Two Roads, Two Roads in Connecticut. Yes, Two Roads and Trillium, and mm-hmm. uh, of course the guys up in New Hampshire. So so those are red hot. Everybody's kind of working on a version of those right now. We'll see, but that's like full blown fad, I'd say. I, you know, I, I would tend to agree. I think, and, and with IPAs, you really have to be an IPA type of drinker in order to enjoy those types of beers. We're talking with Randy Mosher, the author of the new updated edition of Tasting Beer on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, you can purchase the book on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, anywhere uh, books are sold. Now, we, I'm, we're going to head into the advice portion of the interview here, Randy. Next month, I am uh, scheduled to judge for the first time a beer, bacon, and barbecue event what is the best advice that you could give me when judging uh, different beers? And all of the beers, by the way, are going to be New Jersey beers. But what, what would be the best advice you could give me? Well, be, uh, be, be kind of structured about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, smell first. Give it a little bit of a whiff. Don't, t- don't take a huge inhale, just like little sniffs are better. Think about how a dog smells, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to overload your, your sensors. And just try and tease out as much information out of that aroma as you can. Uh, make some notes. It's always better to write stuff down. Right. If you may have a judging sheet that that prompts you, but uh, aroma first, then and and uh, and if you get in one of those little feedbacks, you know where you have a little memory from your childhood or right. something, or just a word pops in your head for no obvious reason, mm-hmm. just blurt that out. You know because those those that's how our brains work with aroma, and those are really great information because you're you're never wrong about those. Well, that's and then take a taste. Mm-hmm. Pay, pay attention to, to taste as not just a single instant, but as a little bit of a movie that has a beginning and a middle and an end and right. then kind of an aftertaste. And so, you know, is it sweet up front? Is there some acidity? How how long does it take for that bitterness to kick in? Uh, you know, and, and with a really bitter beer, it may take 20, 30 seconds for it to reach its maximum bitterness. It actually takes quite a while and takes a long time for that to leave, too. And then at the end, when the beer – and then – Swallow the beer, close your lips, exhale gently, and get some of those vapors from the back of your throat coming back up through your nose the other direction, and that will give you another set of impressions um, that are quite different 
sometimes from the things that you get through your nose because there's actually chemistry going on in your mouth that sometimes is liberating some flavors, some hop uh, aromas and things like that. And then finally, at the aftertaste, um, you want to you want to you want to especially notice: is it pleasant? You know, is it harsh? Is there astringency? If the, if there's some astringent or harsh flavors or papery, oxidized, cardboardy things, those are all going to be kind of at the back end. So you want to make sure that it's really nice and pleasant and clean all the way through. And then, uh, you know, whatever else they, they're instructing you, whether it's a, whether you're supposed to be paying attention to the styles or not or whatever. So there's a lot of different ways to judge, but that kind of technique is, is always good practice. Excellent information. I'm going to write all of this down because I know that I'm going to forget it by the time I get to this, uh, this judging in May. Now, if someone wanted to host a beer tasting event at their home and we're doing it for the first time, what beers would you suggest they start the beer tasting with? Well, I would suggest thinking about getting as many different kinds of beers as you can and think about the flavors. So when I do this, I, um, I almost always will start out with a good American all-malt Pilsner beer, something like uh, Victory Prima, Prima Pils from, from Pennsylvania or uh, Lagunitas Pils or Pivo Pils from uh, Firestone Walker, because that gives you really nice uh, exposure to a kind of a European hop character and also very lightly kilned malt that's going to have like bready notes. And then I move into maybe more amber beers with a little bit of raisiny notes, um, usually do a wheat beer, like a Hefeweiss, to introduce people to yeast aromas, because those have those great spicy, fruity yeast aromas. Um, I may uh, certainly would do a roasty beer, like, a, like an oatmeal stout or something like that, that has this creamy oat uh, or creamy roasty kind of character. Usually a Belgian beer is nice because they have uh, a lot of really interesting yeast characteristics to them. So, you know, I think a good practice is kind of pick out beers that, that, that run the gamut as far as beer flavor. Uh, but, of course, you could do a beer tasting that's seasonal, or you could do one that's local, or you could do one that's foreign, uh, do one that's all lagers, do one that's lagers versus ales. There's a number of different ways you could set that up, and it just depends on who your group is and what your imagination is. My guest has been Randy Mosher, the author of the new and updated edition of Tasting Beer on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, you can purchase the book on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold. Definitely, It's an updated edition. It's great. It's got lots of great stuff in there, lots of great facts. You will enjoy it. It is definitely one of those coffee table books that people are going to pick up. Randy, thank you so much for joining me on the Craft Beer Cast. Thank you so much, Al. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Take care. When we come back, it's time for Suds and Duds, all after a short break on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. This portion of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast brought to you by Anthony's Coal-Fired Pizza. There's only days left to get your $100. Switch from H&R Block to Jackson Hewitt and we'll pay you $100. But time is running out to ditch your old tax service. Get it done now. Get it done right. Get $100. It pays to switch to Jackson Hewitt. Open late and through Easter weekend. Minimum tax preparation fee of $150 applies. Offer valid when you complete your taxes with us. $100 provided on a card. Not valid with any other promotion or discount. Ask a tax pro or see jacksonhewitt.com for details. Available in participating locations only. Most offices are independently owned and operated. If you love great food, delicious craft beer, and want to support small business, then have I got the place for you. Paragon Tap and Table is a wonderful gastro pub located conveniently off the Garden State Parkway, exit 135 in Clark, New Jersey. Paragon has fantastic food created by Chop Champion Chef Eric Levine. Mouth-watering burgers, mac and cheese balls, fresh pasta dishes, some of the best wings in New Jersey, and one of the best craft beer tap selections in the area. 
20 taps. They are amazing. Paragon also has gluten-free and healthy options, so you never have to worry about breaking that diet. Folks, you hear me talk about Paragon all the time. Trust me, it is a great place for lunch or dinner. For reservations, give them a call at 732-931-1776 or check out their website, ParagonNJ.com. You can look over the new spring menu as well as what beers they have on tap. Call 732-931-1776. Paragon Tap and Table, located right off of Exit 135, the Garden State Parkway in Clark, New Jersey. Be sure to tune in every Sunday night as Labor Press, New York's leading source for daily labor news and industry information, brings you their Blue Collar Buzz radio show. The hosts, Neil Tapel and Bill Holfeld, will discuss issues in the workplace and talk with some of the most prominent and influential personalities in the labor community. It's Labor Press, Sunday nights at 9, right here on AM 970, The Answer. Hey guys, why don't you join me, the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast, Brooklyn Brewery, and Anthony's Cold Fired Pizza in Englewood, New Jersey on Thursday, April 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. for a special craft beer dinner. Four courses with craft beer pairings for only $35. It's a great deal. Alex Hestovic with Brooklyn Brewery will explain why the pairings go together, answer any questions you may have. Plus, I'm going to tape the Craft Beer Cast live from the restaurant. The food and beer pairings go like this. It's a classic Italian salad paired with sriracha yale, a wings and ribs paired with Brooklyn lager, meatballs and eggplant paired with Defender IPA, assorted pizzas paired with American Ale. It's very simple to register. Just go to acfp.com slash englewood-beer-dinner slash or call 201-431-9404 to make your reservation. It's a wonderful night of fun with the Yalgatulo Craft Beer Cast, Brooklyn Brewery, and Anthony's Coal Fired Pizza. Join us April 27th, 5 to 8 p.m. at the Anthony's Coal Fired Pizza in Englewood, New Jersey, located at 10 Sterling Boulevard, Suite 104. Call 201 401- 431-9404 for reservations. AM 97, The Answer. Final segment of the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, that's G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com, Slash AG Craft Beer Cast via email at albert g at nycradio.com. Don't forget, we're on iTunes and Google Play. You just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can download and listen to every single show. So we've got suds and duds, and we've got some news as well. So let's get to the suds and duds first, and then we'll do uh, a little bit of news uh, to finish out of the program. Uh, a couple of beers that I've had over the last um, several days, uh, you know, recovering. Uh, from the uh, remnants of the chemo that's still left in my body. I still have to go for radiation next month uh, to burn off what's, what little is left of the, um, of the cancer in my body. But for now, we'll uh, sample as best we can. So I started off with a Grand Crew by Alesmith Brewing Company, uh, a brewery that's out west. And boy, let me tell you, dark, fruit-filled, and delicious. And this beer happened to be sitting in my refrigerator for quite some time. I think I bought it um, last summer. Uh, probably sometime around July or August. So it actually it aged well uh, in the refrigerator, oddly enough, and uh, really had some nice complexity to it. The fruit flavors were really good and just loved the fact that it was, uh, you know, a real nice, uh, tasty, um, a uh, nice, tasty Belgian beer. Uh, then uh, had, uh, I, my, listen, I, you know, I've said this before. I love uh, the, the beers that Blue Point Brewing does. 
uh, and puts together and uh, ended up having a toasted lager. I was out to dinner the other night at a little gastro pub that opened about a year ago in Cranford, New Jersey, called Bar Americana. And, um, you know, I wanted to celebrate with my wife, uh, you know, the, the end of chemo and all that other stuff. So um, some decent selections on tap, but they had uh, Blue Points toasted lager. You can't beat toasted lager with a big strip steak. Uh, and some French fries. It was delicious. It just it was the perfect beer uh, to go with a very uh, very nice dinner. And I can't say enough about uh, you know the, what the guys from Blue Point do. I know that. Listen, some people argue, yeah, they're big beer. They're big beer. To me, they'll always be uh, a small brewery because they they put out consistently uh, good uh, product. Uh, whether or not they're owned by AB InBev or not, I don't care. I'm a big fan of Blue Point Brewing. As we continue on our suds and duds segment. On the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy, the answer. Uh, then later on that night, I had a. Um, this is interesting. Schmaltz Brewing Company. We've talked about them earlier in the show. They're uh, contract brewing out with Spe- Speakeasy now to uh, kind of um, you know help them out as they're going through their transitional process. They're looking for a new owner. Uh, they had come out with a bunch of Star Trek, uh, different Star Trek beers. Um, last year for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. I didn't get a chance to try many of them. They had a Vulcan Ale. They had a, uh, a Genesis Effect, which I think was a Red Ale. Uh, there was a Klingon Porter. Uh, they also had what they called the Voyage to the Northeast Quadrant. Um, it was a Golden Anniversary Ale. Um, to be honest with you, I, I bought this four-pack probably back in September, October when I got diagnosed. And I said, let me just put this away for a little bit. See what happens, and after the chemo, I'm going to crack one of these and try it. I should have tried, you know, I had been sampling some beers here and there, but I didn't want to waste a whole beer. So uh, I put one in the refrigerator um, about a week or so ago, finally cracked it and had a sample of it. I have to say, first off, when I opened the bottle, a lot of head, I mean, coming right out of the bottle, it's just kind of, you know, gushing. I don't know, maybe I shook it a little before I had taken it out of the refrigerator. Um, To be honest, nothing special. Decent beer. it was drinkable, but I, it was nothing that blew me away. Um, I would kind of have to call this a dud because I didn't like the way it poured in the glass. I didn't like the fact that it had a lot of head. Uh, maybe that was the fact that, you know, I had let it sit for a while. I don't know. Um, but uh, I still have a couple more left. going to try and uh, ice one and, you know, open it again, and we'll see what happens. But uh, was not happy with uh, Schmaltz's uh, version of the Golden Anniversary Ale, uh, the Star Trek Voyage to the Northeast Quadrant. Uh, then I had, uh, coincidentally enough, Beautiful. We've had a beautiful week in the Northeast. Um, on Tuesday, 80 degrees. I'm sitting out in my backyard. I got some music on. I figure, what is the perfect beer to 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 drink while I'm sitting out here? And sure enough, what do I have? I bought a couple of different uh, uh, beers the other day, and I had a Dogfish Head Beer to Drink Music to 2017. This was fantastic. Nice and light, little fruit flavor, not overpowering. They used, uh, I think it was kiwi and hibiscus. Uh, in the beer, just a perfect beer for a perfect day outside. 80 degrees, nice little breeze. It was just, it, it, you couldn't have asked for better. And listen, Dogfish Head puts out a lot of good beers. Some of the beers they miss on, but this is why Sam Calagione loves to take risks. And, uh, you know, I got to applaud him for it. It was a fantastic beer. Great job, Sam. We are scheduled to have Sam on the show next week. Hopefully, uh, that is still in play. So uh, if it changes, I will, of course, let you know via social media. And then finally, I had uh, a Coronado uh, North Island IPA. These guys make consistently delicious beer. Uh, Going out to the West Coast in December uh, at the end of the year to visit a bunch of different breweries. Coronado is first on my list. These guys do a great job. Their IPAs are always spot on. Uh, You can't beat it. They are fantastic. So that's our Suds and Duds segment. We had one dud in there, a couple of suds. 
Uh, but wanted to tell you about a few things that are going on. A couple of quick news and notes before we get out of here. Uh, we have a big beer dinner coming up on Thursday, April 27th, and Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza. Uh, this is the one in Englewood. It's at 10 Sterling Boulevard, Suite 104. It is a, a craft beer dinner uh, pairing up with Brooklyn Brewery. Four courses with craft beer pairings. It's only $35. It's a great deal. Alex Hestevic from Brooklyn Brewery uh, will be there to explain why the pairings go together. He'll answer any questions that you have. Plus, we're going to be taping the craft beer cast live from the restaurant. You're going to have uh, a classic Italian salad paired with sriracha ale, wings and ribs paired with Brooklyn lager, a meatball and eggplant uh, paired with Defender IPA, and then uh, assorted pizzas uh, paired with American ale. They're going to have meatballs and ricotta, Philly cheesesteak, uh, Pauly Pie. It's going to be great. $35. That includes the beer, and we're taping the craft beer cast from there. It's Thursday, April 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. All you have to do is go to acfp.com slash englewood-beer-dinner. There's a link on the Algatulo craft beer cast page. We're going to tweet a link out as well. Click on that. Register. It's only 35 bucks. It's going to be a fantastic night. I encourage everybody to go there and listen. Go, you know, Book it early because I'm telling you, uh, it's probably going to sell out. Another event I'm going to be at Saturday, May 20th, uh, the Lewis Morris Park Doe Meadow Field in Morristown. It's the Beer Barbecue Bacon Showdown. It's 32 New Jersey breweries, each bringing four styles of beer. One of the styles, a rare beer or a brew created specifically uh, for the event. Two of the breweries only available during their VIP session. Lots of barbecue and bacon creations uh, that will be available for purchase. Uh, they're going to have People's Choice Awards. I'm going to be a judge at this event. The VIP is from noon to 1. General admission is from 1 to 5. Uh, go to njbeerbarbecuefest.com for tickets. Um, all of this is benefiting the Chester First Aid Squad. So I encourage you to come out to that one Saturday, May 20th, uh, Lewis Morris Park, Doe Meadow Field in Morristown. Some other news and notes. Samuel Adams, in support of the craft beer revolution, we talked about how Jim Cook had that op-ed piece uh, in the New York Times uh, last week, the Samuel Adams Longshot American Homebrew Competition Variety Pack is out on shelves now. It will be available through American Craft Beer Week, which is May 15th through May 21st. Three of the best homebrewers in the country are going to be able to share their homebrews with drinkers nationwide, including the Barnstorm Sesson that was brewed by David Casino uh, of uh, Avon, o- Ohio, Wild Child American uh, Wild Ale, uh, that's brewed by Dwayne Wilson of Horseheads, New York. And the Coffeehead Imperial Stout, that's brewed by Sam Adams employee winner Graham Johnson of Marblehead, Massachusetts. Um, each of this a limited release availability. Uh, the suggested retail price is between $10 and $11. Pack's going to imp- include two bottles of each. Uh, the Barnstorm Sesson is actually a 7.8% ABV. The Wild Child American Wild Ale, 5.7% ABV. And then finally, the Coffeehead Imperial Stout is a 7% ABV, so you want to check that out. Uh, That's on shelves now. And Stone Brewing uh, has come out with uh, its ongoing heavy metal collaboration series. Brewers Dan Kleeman and Cole Corbin from Maine Beer Company and Stone Brewing teamed up uh, to come out with this India Pale Lager uh, that they have uh, out on shelves right now. And what is the name of it again? Yes, the Maine Stone Day Slayer India Pale Lager. It's a 7.5% ABV with a 65 IBU. Uh, it's a limited release in 22-ounce bottles and draft. Unfortunately, it's available at most of their places, but not in New Jersey. And they've got a soundtrack that goes with it, so hopefully I can get myself a bottle of that to sample. Stone Brewing, another place that I am definitely going to hit um, when I am out in San Diego at the end of December. And, folks, we're out of time. 
Amazing how fast this hour goes. My thanks to Darren Yellen, Jerry Crowley, Phil Boyce, Marcus Englet, the export director for Steifen, the world's oldest brewery, Randy Mosher, the author of Tasting Beer, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. And by the way, Buddy, thanks for those beers. We're going to review some of those next week. I'll be back on Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.